Hi, this is Julie. And this is Alicia. And you're listening to Getting Getting Booked. Hey everyone! So I am coming live from my bedroom yet again, but Julie is in her new house. Yes, I'm in my, well, it's not my bedroom technically. We're sleeping in the guest room until we get new bedroom furniture, but it is my room because I own it because I have a house now. It's a very weird feeling. Yeah, so many new things for you. So not only do you have a new house, but a new job and... A new fiancé. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yes, Johnny proposed the day we closed on the house. And um, I was very surprised, to say the least. I was not expecting it. Even, Even when you've been with someone for so long, they still can surprise you, which is always a good thing. Absolutely. I'm so excited for y'all. And Julie's told me a little bit about the wedding so far, and I am so excited. And hopefully COVID will be gone, a thing of the past, so we can totally fully celebrate. And I'm so excited for next year. Thank you. Yes, we have a year for COVID to go away. So fingers Fingers crossed. crossed. (laughs) Jinx. Maybe by then we'll get to have our um, our recordings back in person, too. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> that way we can really, this whole recording in different weird places and everything else, I'm, I'm excited for that. And then also I would love to do some, like, mini episodes with some fun guests, which, again, that would be so good next year. Yeah. We can finally see people in person. Exactly. But I am proud of us for pushing through with this um, new way we've adapted to doing this. I think we only got to do one in person. Yeah, I know. It's so weird how this year has, like, I can't believe we're getting ready to be in October. And when this episode is released, it's going to be October. But I just I, can't believe that. I can't, This year literally just flew by. And it really did. I mean, you know, those months at the beginning of the year always kind of crawl by mm-hmm. so like January to March I feel like it was super slow but I can't be like I can't believe it's been almost eight months since this pandemic kind of took off yeah I mean it's been so long since I've really um seen like anybody beside like my family right. <laughs> and Jason and you know like stuff like that in literal months I mean I've been working from home since March and it's just so it's what's going to be weird is I've gotten so used to this way of living it's going to be weird going back to normal living like hugging people and working in an office with like other people and stuff like it's just going to be so weird I know and I am a true southerner and that I am such a hugger Mm -hmm. and all I want is just to give people big bear hugs. Yeah. And I try to not do that. Yeah. It's very difficult. It's almost better just to not be around anyone at all because all I want to do is hug them. 
I know it's it's especially like in certain situations you're like I just want to hug somebody and I was just telling Julie like I have her like housewarming stuff and her engagement presents and stuff like that and I am just not a like mail the presents kind of a person like I really love giving everybody their presence in person so that way there can be hugs and like stuff so I don't know what I'm gonna do when Christmas comes around like I'm gonna have some sort of like mental breakdown when it comes to Christmas I'm one of those people that when I buy someone a gift I almost immediately am like do you want to see what I got you yeah like, I'm the worst person at keeping a gift a secret. Like, Johnny will tell you, I don't, I don't know if I've ever surprised him with a gift. I try real hard. Yeah. It is hard. It's hard because... Um, I just have so much love to give. Well, yeah. It's like you get so excited. I get more excited about giving other people gifts than receiving gifts. Oh, hands down. I mean, honestly, that I don't know when that shift happened for me. Yeah. But it did at some point, like, and it just has always been that way since then. Like, I just love giving gifts. I'm the person who buys, maybe that's the problem. I buy, I'm done Christmas shopping by the end of Halloween. Like, yeah, just maybe not this year, but, um, it's just always been like that. I just get so excited. Yeah. I. It's almost the best time of year. Yeah, it's just this time of year. It's so magical and it's so fun giving people gifts. And I think for me, I hate receiving gifts because social anxiety. I'm like so scared of like not reacting the correct way. Yes. (laughs) I'm like, am I being too enthusiastic? Am I not being enthusiastic enough? What do I say? Like I get overwhelmed basically. It's like when people pay me a compliment. Yeah. I'm like, it's so uncomfy. I'm like, thanks. Um, it's like, so we, in our neighborhood, I'm so pumped because I've never lived in a neighborhood. Like, I've never lived with houses around me like this. I grew up around, you know, like, the woods. Yeah. So, this Halloween, I've been looking so forward to having people trick-or-treat, and I'm going to be devastated if that doesn't happen because... Even if it has to be modified, and I just, you know, stand on my porch and I have a bowl down the sidewalk, but we have a neighborhood full of little kids, and I just want to see them in their costumes. I know, and And I mean, honestly, I'm all for team yeet the treats. Just like throw little baggies of candy. The kids will be fine. You yeah, know? exactly. And honestly, growing up, like, trick-or-treating, we had to drive to each house, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it would have taken all night just to get to one. Yeah. But the people, because there were so few trick-or-treaters, would put candy in bag and, like, bowls of bags yes. or the goodie bags. And they would give us bags of candy. That's, and, like, I think the way to go this year. It's just, like, little baggies. Yeah, I will stand on my porch and I'll throw them at them. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, like, just throw them toward the end of the like sidewalk or driveway or whatever and the kids will pick up the treats and even if the treats get a little crushed it's fine they'll still eat it exactly have you met kids hey have you met me I'll yeah very true very true so I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm hopeful that that happens and 
all of that and like lucky if for not, you I'm just gonna eat all the candy another like great thing about living in the neighborhood is I cannot wait to hear about all of your neighborhood gossip like that's like my favorite <laughs> thing ever is the my mom and our neighborhood like where my childhood house is and where my parents still live she's on like the next door app and the oh my God, I gossip Oh, you need to get on it, girl. The gossip is so real and people complaining about everything. And my mom just like spills the tea every time. She's like, oh, so-and-so is back at it again, causing trouble. And it is the funniest thing. There's also a Facebook board, like a Facebook group for our neighborhood for pending acceptance. So... Well, fingers crossed because that's like my favorite thing is just the petty <laughs> drama of the suburbs. It makes my heart full. I love it. And especially so in the excited. South, especially in the South with that passive aggressive gossip. I can't believe I forgot about Nextdoor app. I've got to get on there. They might have been talking about us and we didn't even know it. It's true. You got to get on there and make sure they're not. you're not becoming the, the latest gossip. You know what yeah, I mean? I can't have that. No, I gotta set the record straight. <laughs> I guess we should talk about the book. Yeah, yeah, probably. Oh, I feel like we could talk about Halloween and all kinds of things for all, the whole night, but yeah, it's like speaking of neighborhoods and night prowlers. <laughs> yeah, speaking of the things that speaking of the reason that when they approached us about upgrading our ADT system that we had in this house for free, we said yes. Yeah. This book and that HBO adapted show are the reason. Yeah, it is. I So, of course, we're talking about I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara. That was this month's pick. And um, I actually read this book like two or three years ago. It was before the Golden State Killer was detained and arrested. Um, And... I lived on the first floor of an apartment complex, and for some reason, I decided it would be a really good idea to read that book, and I could not sleep for (laughs) days. It's so, like, especially when he was still out there, just like, ooh, it made my skin crawl. It still makes my skin crawl. I can't believe that, I mean, you're a real OG for reading it before, or for reading about it before he was caught. I knew who he was, and I knew, you know, I was aware of the story itself, but I didn't know about any of it really until he was caught, and I kind of dug into, you know, the story of Golden State Killer, but I never read this book until we chose it for this month. I think the thing that, like, the reason why I originally read it is because it's there's a couple of cases that really have affected me and impacted me in different ways. And this was one of those cases because at the time it was unsolved. And for it to be, it's like, how does somebody get away that many times? And how does somebody, like, in a neighborhood... You know what I mean? Like in multiple neighborhoods in a time where like I feel like everybody was more in everybody else's business more than ever get away like almost like they were a ghost. You know what I mean? It's like 
like they just he just kept slipping away barely it's it's crazy crazy. I, i definitely always thought he was a cop um, yeah. Because, I mean, how else do you get away with something like that? Um, but the slipping away from people is so true, especially that one part where they talk about how he would run on the roofs. Mm-hmm. And he'd get away that way. And I was like, I mean, I would never think to look on top of the I mean, now I will. I would never yeah. have thought to look up there, though, if somebody had, like, attacked me or if, like, I don't know, if I had heard that someone had been attacked, I would never think to look up to find them. Oh, absolutely. And, Um, I mean, think about the fact that this was happening in a time where people were so, like, still very, like, trusting of each other. I mean, this is why the 1970s had so many serial killers is because Seriously, it's that one time period yeah. all of these people I think that the 70s really uh, set the record straight for like making sure all of your windows and doors are locked but it, in this time though like then and any time before it of course murder happened and of course you know there was violence but overall especially in somewhere like Orange County California like it's like rich, you know, to like upper middle class people living their lives and very much like the suburbs, suburbia. It was the type of neighborhood where like in neighborhoods and areas where you left your doors unlocked because like who would come in? Like that just wasn't a thought to people back then. And it's just wild that Really, it was like this monster in the night coming in and ruining people's lives and taking their lives and just wild. And I think that's why it like really intrigued me is because I'm like, how does somebody not only like do commit this, these crimes in mass, but also they, they were really so close, so close to getting him so many times, but it was like just one element allowed for him to get away. And then the other thing that like really drove me wild is before they found him is like, how does somebody like that go on this crazy spree and then just stop? Right. And like, and they talk about that in the book. And honestly, yeah. I don't think they really... I don't think they really ever accounted for it. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know if they were ever really able to explain it away. Um, I mean, I don't know. The whole thing, I've got chills just thinking about the whole thing now. Um, I just don't understand it either, how you can, I mean, I don't, part of me doesn't think he, he did. Um, maybe it was just different. I don't know. It's just so bizarre what and was, wild. What was so crazy to me was, like, some of the officers' approaches. I mean, with if you've read this book, you know it jumps around from place to place, and it's, it covers a lot of different places, which it seems crazy, you know, reading it and trying to remember all of these places until you realize this happened in this many different locations. Like, this is real. It's not, you know, in a novel, I feel like we would be criticizing how much it jumped around. And I mean, I mean, I still Um, do. I still do. I'm not like a huge fan of jumping through timelines in 
like past oh, to I present. All the different locations and like dates and stuff. Yeah, but, it's it's I mean, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot. It's so much to cover. It it's horrifying to think, you know, what all he did. And so I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of like that stuff wrong over this episode, but it always, it made me, it interested me that one of the, um, police stations, great plans was to not tell people when things like this were connected they just buried their head in the sand because they thought that would make it go away. And then mm-hmm. he attacked, like you said, a wealthy neighborhood, and all of a sudden it came back into uh, back into the news because they tried to ignore it for a while. Yeah, and that's, I think, again, that was said something about society at the time. There are so many cold cases from that era because not only was that the mentality back then, but also because... It was, it was almost like society was still living in the, like, turn the blind eye, like, close your eyes, plug your ears, la, 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 like, bad things don't happen. That's not possible. And also, I think that um, serial killers as a whole were relatively new. I mean, you're thinking that the term, like, serial killer and that came about, you know, in the, in the mid-60s. So this was something that was still a new concept to a lot of people. And a lot of old school police officers didn't really believe in that, you know? Like it was always a question at the time of, and unfortunately, cases that involve sexual assault, rape, um, and violent crimes against women, a lot of the police officers were always questioning, like, well, what did the women do? Like this has to be... Uh, an angry ex-boyfriend or like a guy like that you were dating and you know you pissed him off somehow like that was like the mentality of a lot of police officers until the problem became so evident and so large and then like you said when he started attacking more prominent families and more you know I guess you know, upper middle class and wealthy individuals, then all of a sudden, like you said, it's like, oh, no, this is a serious problem. It's not just, you know, a string of random occurrences. Yeah, and he even, you know, he even, they even talk about how, like, he would say that before, um, I mean, I think they had quoted another serial killer in the book about how before a, um, of killing the serial killer would refer to it as the hunt mm-hmm. where he would find his next victim and he would stalk them and learn everything about them. And, um, none of his killings or any of his rapes were random. They were all, you know, planned and he had an escape route and he knew everything about the house and he knew people's schedules. Um, and I think that is honestly the creepiest part because you know, walking through daily life, you don't just, you know, I I try not to at least just to be super anxious all the time and always jerk my head around and see if anybody's watching me. Um, And I'm sure those people didn't live like that either, but there he was just lurking in the shadows. 
Yeah, I mean, everything about, like, we obviously highly recommend everybody read this book. We're not going to go into, like, every detail in every case because it's... We'd be here for hours. We literally would be. It's (laughs) so much, and even since the book's been published, there's been so much more added. I highly recommend just, yeah, delving deep into by reading this book, watch the HBO series, and also, like, just do your own research. There are so many podcasts out there, and I... Really, uh, one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Jensen and Holes, Paul Holes was one of the lead detectives on the Golden Serial. Golden Serial? Girl, obviously I need a snack. Um, Golden State Killer (laughs) case. He's a serial killer. It's true, but honestly, like Golden Serial, I must be thinking of like Golden Grams or something in my mind. Just like. To be fair, we were talking about cereal before we got on. It's true. Who doesn't love a good bowl of cereal? But again, that's another topic that I could talk about for hours and I'm very passionate about. But yeah, I mean, I really do recommend people, um, anybody listening, to go check out their podcast, read these books, brush up on it, because this case is absolutely insane and really just like a good example of how crooked police systems were back in the 70s and how being a um, white male in the 1970s literally allowed for this man to get away with murder for so long. I mean, what's wild to me is they had like all these clues and sketches and description like they literally had eyewitness descriptions but something to me that's so fishy is the fact that because he was a police officer I truly believe there are people who were in his squadron who probably knew like in the back of their mind they probably were like like, "Mm." well this guy's kind of strange Well, yeah, but, like, think about the fact that this was, like, such a widely known case, and they had, like, his height, his stature, his age, his eye color, his hair color, his mannerisms, you know, basically every detail about him except for his full, his full, like, name and his full face. Right. They didn't have a photo of him. But they pretty much had everything. So to me, it's like, how can, you know, police officers and detectives and stuff like that are so incredibly observant that it's like, how do you not notice like somebody you work with on a daily basis while this is going on? Like they're showing up late to work. They're exhibiting like odd behavior. It's like, oh, that description of, you know, he's about five whatever uh, sandy blonde hair, blue eyes, this stature, and you're just like staring at your coworker, like, uh, and nobody was like, yeah, was like, we should, you know, maybe like see what this guy is up to, like, see what my coworker is up to. I gotta be honest, I am, I try so hard to be observant, but I am just sometimes the most non observant person, (laughs) and again. We should refer back to the fact that my now fiance hid the ring in his nightstand and I touched the box without realizing what it was and still didn't know he was proposing. So, 
I mean, that's fair, I, but I you're... I wouldn't call myself the world's best detective. But that's the thing. You're not a detective. <laughs> you're not a police officer. So that's why it's so odd yeah. to me that, I mean, to me, I think that a lot of um, police officers and stuff like that, the mentality, especially back then, was, like, to protect their own. So I just have this like really sinking suspicion that somebody like had to know. And especially in his personal life. Right. His family. Yeah. Like how do you not notice that? And time and time again with these serial killers, you see that in their personal life, like their wives and their kids and stuff being like, oh, wow, that's such a shock. But I think the thing is when people have those thoughts they push them as far away as possible so they mm-hmm. don't become true. You know what's even sicker is that uh, he was married and then he had three daughters. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's just surrounded by women this whole time. Yeah, it's I mean, sick. And, you know, looking at his mugshot, i got to be honest, aside from the fact that his eyes are just very creepy, he looks like every other, you know, at this point, he's, 74. Um, he looks like, you know, very, like every other old white man, you know? There's nothing really now that stands out about him. Yeah, but that's um, like Which the is just thing. a good lesson into serial killers and crazy people. Yeah, I mean, there is like monsters among us everywhere. Um, I highly recommend any woman anywhere to go on to the sex offender registry and look up sex offenders in your area it's eye awakening and it's awful but it just goes to show how many there are among us I mean you can go onto the website and see exactly what crimes they've committed and I did it recently and I mean there was everything from like indecent exposure all the way up to like straight up sexual assault, um, rape, solicitation of sex, sexual acts from a minor, like awful, awful stuff. But it just goes to show like they're everywhere. And that site, the site, when you pull that up, it does a really good job of separating categories because Mm -hmm. it's true. There are people in the registry that it's some like low-level stuff that probably shouldn't be on the same type of registry yeah. um, as, you know, the stuff that you actually should be frightened about. Um, and I really wish that there was a better way of categorizing things. But that website, at least the one I went on, does a really good job of separating them by offenses, which is important. Um you know, you, and it's not to say, like, there are people on the registry that probably shouldn't still be, but for the most part, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty, like, I understand, like, people go out and they get drunk and they, like, yeah. urinate in, in public and a police officer might see them and that's, you know, you become a sexual <laughs> offender. Yeah. But then there are people who, yeah, I mean... Yeah, there that's are, few and far between. Yeah, I mean, they're everywhere, um, and it's awful, but it's true, and it's just, 
uh, I try to have like a really positive outlook and believe the best in people and everything. But at the same time, it is also super important to be aware of your surroundings, lock your doors, lock your windows, do everything you can to protect yourself because that is the world we live in. And as long as you're five steps ahead, then you're good. Yeah. You know? So what, um, what was your, and I don't know if you've got one, but did you have one particular case and this whole thing stand out to you? I, I that, you, that, that you remember better or that you remember just being completely freaked out by? Honestly, I, I wasn't so much like any particular case because all of them affected me in different aspects. But I think the thing that really truly like makes my skin crawl to another level is like when he would start like talking in like a baby voice like these women said that he would talk in like a baby voice and start talking to them like that like he was like their kid like he was sexually assaulting his mother which is I mean like a common theme with a lot of you know sexual predators and rapists is like the mommy issues are very real but that just like something about a grown man using like a baby voice makes me want to throw up disgusting like it literally makes me want to peel my own skin off the one that stood out to me and that again her name i i hope you can remember her name i feel really bad for not remembering it but it was the one with the 16 year old girl who had stayed home and her parents weren't going for that long Mm. Um, i think she was one of maybe maybe one of the first victims i think so she had been played she'd been practicing piano no i know i mean i know who you're talking about but i'm also blanking oh oh i don't know so that one, that one stood out to me more than anything. And she's still alive. She was just, um, not just right, but she wasn't one of the ones that was murdered. Yeah, I know. But it's almost like with some of these victims, like hearing their victim. Um, right. I don't know if you watch the live stream of all of the victims and their families uh, read their impact statements at the trial. Yes. And it is, like, absolutely excruciating and heartbreaking. And, like, I don't, you know, I don't think murder is anything that's, like, the easy way out or easy for anybody. And, no. you know, but, you know, rape and sexual assault is something that is so um, life-changing, on so many right. levels where it almost it really does kill a person in many aspects and kills a huge part of them where they're never really the same and hearing those impact statements it definitely shows it but you know the the book itself is just so heartbreaking on so many different levels just knowing what we know now especially it, it is um i mean from the victims in the book to the author of the book, who I, I consider mm-hmm. a victim, yeah, in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, she was Michelle McNamara is a huge reason. I I think that the Golden State Killer was apprehended, um, and you know whether she directly or indirectly 
is responsible for him being apprehended, she definitely is responsible for keeping it in the limelight and, you know, bringing attention to it. Absolutely. And um, that's what cold cases are about. I totally agree. Uh, so Uh what was your like overall thoughts of the book and your star rating of the book? So I would call it a five star. I mean, it's, I love a good true crime. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a book that'll be in the true crime section for as long as that is a thing. Um, but I do think it went beyond just being true crime. I mean, it was good writing. Like she was a good writer and the fact that they were able to take this book and weave it into a full story using in a lot of instances, just her notes. Mm -hmm. I mean, it shows how good of a writer and how much research and how much work she put into this to the point where it killed her. I mean, I, I think that, that she could be seen as another victim in this, um, because of it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. I think that, there was so much self-sacrifice put into this novel by her. And um, I think it was impeccably researched and written. I think that the writing was very detailed and very um, blunt without being like egregiously graphic to the point where it's like sometimes with true crime novels, it can get overly graphic where it seems disrespectful to the victims but she did in a way that really painted the picture for truly what happened and allowed us some insight just a small tiny peek into what these women uh went through and it the 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 overall writing of this book is brilliant masterful it gives an amazing perspective it's transportive it's um haunting, heartbreaking. I just highly recommend anybody who is a fan of true crime to pick this one up. It's one of my favorites. And I really do think that Michelle McNamara's take and her voice in this story allows so much duality where there is so much darkness in the story, but she does offer a lot of light through her perspective and her writing and it's just a really really beautiful and well-written piece of true crime uh literature i agree and i mean i think one thing that made her stand out for me was that she connected with a lot of the victims Mm -hmm. um and she you know she gave them a voice absolutely they didn't feel like they had one and they trusted her specifically And I think that's what makes her stand out above a lot of other people. Like a lot of people can write about true crime and, um, but I think she's special and it shows how much heart she had by, by doing, like you said, doing it in a way that honors victims without, you know, just being too much. Absolutely. Um, I really loved it. And you know, if, anyone's listening and they haven't read the book and they don't really think they have the time to read it. The HBO series really is a great adaptation of it. It's, 
spot on. Um, you know, it's it can include every single detail of the book, but it's pretty close. Absolutely, and the audiobook is fantastic too. Yes, it is. So. I read I read some of book of the book per audiobook. Um, so I could make sure I actually finished reading it yeah. after a, a busy month. Absolutely. Well, I yeah, everybody definitely go pick it up. Um and seriously, audiobook, watch the series, uh, read the physical book, listen, listen to, to podcasts. Podcast. Yeah, listen to podcasts about it, whatever you can. But this case is just so important and a really critical piece of true crime history and everybody needs to check it out. But next month we will be switching it back up to fiction. Just a nice little uh, break between the heavy stuff. Um, not that this next read is necessarily light, but exactly. It's, it's heavy in its own way. Exactly. I feel like this is a good, little runoff from I'll Be Gone in the Dark. It uh, sort of talks about a lot of the common themes with the Golden State um, Killers case, but uh, it's it's definitely really fast-paced, easy to read, gripping um, mystery novel, mystery thriller, um, and that is The Night Swim by Megan Golden. And um, I am going to go ahead and read the little excerpt, the description. Let me get, I have the physical book here. It was a book of the month for um, August. Yeah, August. So I got to have that copy and uh, I'm going to go ahead and read. So it says... um, Ever since her true crime podcast became an overnight sensation and set an innocent man free, Rachel Craw has become a household name and the last hope for people seeking justice. But she's just used to being recognized for her voice, not her face, which makes it all the more unsettling when she finds a note on her car windshield addressed to her begging for help. The new season of Rachel's podcast has brought her to a small town being torn apart by a devastating rape trial. A local golden boy, a swimmer destined for Olympic greatness, has been accused of raping the beloved granddaughter of the police chief. Under pressure to make season three a success, Rachel throws herself into her investigation, but the mysterious letters keep coming. Someone is following her, and she won't stop until Rachel finds out what happened to her sister 25 years ago. Officially, Jenny Stills tragically drowned, but the letters insist she was murdered, and when Rachel starts asking questions nobody in town wants to answer, the past and present start to collide as Rachel uncovers startling connections between the two cases and a revelation that will change the course of the trial and the lives of everyone involved. Electrifying and propulsive, the Night Swim asks, what is the price of a reputation? Can a small town ever right the wrongs of its past? And what really happened to Jenny? Oh, so good. I cannot wait to talk about this one. I'm super excited. I mean, come on. A true crime podcast host goes on a sleuthing uh, adventure of sorts. How could we not? Exactly. 
So I am so excited to chat with everybody. We will be posting on Instagram. If you read um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, have any thoughts, we'll put a post up and we'll be so excited to discuss in the thread on there. And as per usual, if you guys have any questions, suggestions, um, ideas, feel free to DM us on Instagram. That's Getting Booked Podcast on Instagram. And um, Julie is at Charleston Book Girl. And me, Alicia, I'm at The Bookish Puff. And we are so excited to chat with y'all. Yes, can't wait. Can't wait. Well, we will talk to y'all next time. Bye. Bye.